What is up, everyone? Blue Jay here, JNT there, and Clown Fiesta Podcast right now. Episode 26 is underway. Um, actually, before we get into episode 26, I want to shout out those that came to watch episode 25 because, well, you and I weren't exactly sure what our viewership or listener numbers were going to be like um, because we took like two months off, right? We didn't know what to expect, but a lot of you guys came and watched our content and uh, we're glad that our viewership numbers were really good. So just wanted to give you guys a huge shout out and thank you uh, for continuing to listen to our content and uh, don't forget to hit the sub button um because there's a lot of people that watch every week and still don't sub but also last week i made a little bit of a boo-boo um (laughs) i shouted out our patreon without giving the patreon link and so for those of you that want to support us on patreon please go to patreon.com slash clown fiesta podcast all of the the link will be in the description of youtube and in, in our twitch and on all the podcast platforms anything supported by anchor so a uh, little mistake last week, my bad, but thank you to all those that become patrons. Your support is much needed. Now, let's get underway with this week, because we're through one week of the LCS lock-in, and I don't know about you, but I think it's freaking awesome. What are your thoughts? What are your initial thoughts about the uh, the lock-in tournament? Yeah, it's it's finally like good to have some like entertainment and watching some games. Um, definitely a good thing that there are more games than usual due to the new formatting changes and them kind of doing like a full uh, slate of games uh, for three days of the week instead of, you know, last year how the format was uh, two full days of five games and then two games either on Monday or Friday. They kind of switched it up uh, after the split. But yeah, really fun to be back. Uh, Love watching some League of Legends. Uh, We've gotten like, what is it, like two 40-minute bangers now? So we're starting off the the season right yeah, no, I think the games have definitely been really, really good. I completely agree with you when you're talking about how, like, the Friday Night League and Monday Night League, like, it felt like, I don't know, it just felt like it it didn't, it wasn't as good because there was only two games. It felt like I should be watching more League of Legends after game two would happen on Friday or whatever. It, anyways, it's nice that there's a full schedule on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It feels a lot better. Yeah, um, the, the thing that was awkward, I felt, about, like, Friday Night League and Monday Night League was like it felt like the broadcast itself was like half analyst desk breaks and sponsorship stuff and half gameplay because there was only two games and there was so yeah. much like filled up with like oh the 30 minute like pre-show that they do and then oh like we're getting into draft and then oh my god it's like uh, how it is now where you have like a 20 minute break in between games and it just felt like half of the actual broadcast wasn't even gameplay but like yeah, no, you're completely now right. getting back sure. to like full five day five games a day is just so much better. Like yeah. so much better. Oh, also I should let our listeners know that um, we did a lot of audio tests and we did have some Discord issues that we don't know how to fix. We tried different servers, like we were having the same issues that we had in different servers just a couple of days ago. So if there is some audio issues, we apologize. We did our best to fix them, but I mean, hey, Discord is Discord. What can we do, right? Um Anyways, with the lock-in games, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Do you feel like the games are just as competitive as the regular season, or do you feel there's a difference? It feels as it would a regular season match, but maybe that's because like we haven't seen a regular season match, so you know there could be teams that are holding back. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but one thing you also do have to consider is not all the teams are at full strength, so... Yeah. To see the level, like, I, what I'm saying is I think we're actually seeing a pretty decent level of play so far. 
and I think it will only get better uh, with and, time. And that's what my point was going to be, is that it feels like regular season games. And you and I talked about, would teams kind of try to hide stuff, right? Would they hide picks? Are we sure teams are actually going to be trying their best? I don't get that impression. I mean, maybe they are, and we just don't know it. But I don't get that impression, and I think that's a very good sign. And I also think viewership is just the same. Like, the viewership is still doing really well on Twitch. I think everyone, like, it feels like these games do matter to just about everyone watching and hopefully everyone playing. Yeah, I think they're pretty competitive. And like even, I said, uh, they'll improve. Yeah, even in the interview today that Travis Gafford did with Jensen, um, Jensen was saying, like, that everything seems pretty good. He's really enjoying the tournament. The only thing that he would like to see more of is a little bit extra incentive. Um, but he even himself admits that, like, he doesn't know what that incentive would be. Like, obviously money, right? But that's about it. He was saying something along the lines of, like, it'd be nice if this tournament mattered for, like, who would go to MSI or who to, would go to Worlds. But, like, it just doesn't make sense to do that. Yeah. And so, like, even even he was admitting, like, he's like, yeah, uh, some more incentive would be nice, but he's not even too sure what that would be either. But Jens, Jensen, all in all, it's good. Jensen makes too much money for that 150K team bonus to matter. He got that yeah. fat contract in the offseason. He doesn't give no fuck. Yeah, he, he's, like, he's uh, looking at it like, if I win, I get 25 grand, which is cool, I guess, but whatever, right? Yeah, he's like, these are pennies to me. Yeah, anyways, yeah, the, the quality of games has seemed probably just about on par as it normally does this time of year anyways, and so I think it's early still, but so far, really good job with the lock-in tournament. I think it's great. Uh, some areas where it hasn't been so good has been the LCS broadcast. This <laughs> is going to sound like a broken record. We've talked about this before. But there's just some stuff like uh, J and T. How do you describe this, man? I don't know what to say. Yeah, it, it's it's not like the broad like okay when we talk about the broadcast being not up to par. Like I think back to when we were harping on the broadcast in the summer split from last year, and try, like there like compared to then, it's a lot better I would say because oh my god like back in summer split there were just so many issues. Like, I don't even want to go through it again. But I feel like this time around, it's been pretty good for the most part. But there are just, like, these small little things that seem to know, seem to get overlooked by the broadcast team. But when they do start piling up, they do become very noticeable. And, you know, they kind of just irk you a little bit. Like, so, you know. So, here, here's the th so you're completely right. But the, the thing for me is the reason why I feel bad in saying this is because we all know, we've said it a thousand times, but I'll say it again. It's not where they normally do the broadcast, right? They're doing mm -hmm. it remote. There's a bunch more challenges that are coming their way that we probably, as viewers, don't even really see. However, some of the issues that we see, I know, are not even related to being remote. Like, if you're going to, like, you're spelling the players' names wrong and stuff like that and putting it up on broadcast. And I know that's not the biggest deal in the world, but, like, double check your stuff, right? <laughs> I just... Like, I... Like, hello? I just pulled like, it yeah, up Yeah, so we're going to pull it up on screen. We got Armeo, uh, former Grig, as Santornin. We got <laughs> Wiggly slash now Griffin as Broxa and Teen. And Wild Turkey is the best one, I think. I think yeah. Wild, well, Wild Turkey, man. Yeah, just the whole... How does this happen? The whole week while myself and Blue Jay and our friends were watching the games, anytime, like we would see wild turtle or wild turtle would either make a play or die. Like we would just say wild turkey. Cause like it just sticks out like a sore thumb, especially on the broadcast. When you see these kinds of things, like I know when we were watching it, we saw the, we saw the, uh, Greg, or I guess our Mayo now, you know, having the incorrect name with Santorin, but we didn't actually notice at the time that it says Santornin. 
and like and like know. it's so it's so like small it's such a small detail right but it's just like dude like you just rebranded you know like the first thing that you want to do is show that like this is a solid new brand you know and you want to be perfect and while i don't think anybody is perfect i think you should kind of strive for perfection and the reason why i feel so bad is because i feel like i'm so so picky and maybe maybe i am honestly because i'm sure some of these people are working so hard but there's clearly some people that just aren't like i don't know hey, I don't know. whoever the quality control person was on the broadcast like they were taking a snoozer or something yeah. like let's wake up quality assurance yeah. mm -hmm. come on yeah and, and Anyways, i was oh, go ahead I, I was just gonna say like just like finish off with this point um the other thing that I think most people found very noticeable, and there was a lot of, you know, stuff in the Twitch chat or even like a post on Reddit about it afterwards, was Azale had some like super buggy microphone, which would kind of like cut in and cut out, and there were like sections where he'd get really quiet, and it was just happening on like a recurring basis, maybe like every like two or three minutes, and like yeah. those are the kinds of things. Like sure, like if it is if an issue pops up once you know, it's fine and kind of goes unnoticed. But like when it happens just constantly and constantly, it can kind of tire some people out. And I kind of felt that even just with myself, yeah. every time that problem would happen, I'd either just like, be like, oh, okay, Azel Mike, like, come on now. Well, and the thing is, like, normally I would expect like you should have a backup microphone or like if it happened the day before, then the next day go get another microphone. But with that said, like with COVID, like COVID is really, really bad in uh in what you in la in la yeah like so i actually don't necessarily blame them for not going out and getting a new mic or get going to the studio like just going anywhere in la is hella corona s right now so <laughs> it's like eh, uh, fine but yeah it's just some some things that you can't ignore and clearly people in twitch chat are really not enjoying it and so i don't know i i don't want to harp too much more i think we we've said a lot of bad stuff Let, let's talk about some of the good because I really liked the new scoreboard that they put up. I thought it's really clean. It's really easy to, to, it's nice and visible and all that crap. I think they did a good job there. Like, even though they did some stuff that's subpar, I think they did a really good job in some other aspects, like the scoreboard or even Champ Select, I think looks pretty cool. What did you think of, of those two things? Yeah, when people initially sort of found out about the LCS rebrand and they only saw the logo that came out, like people were kind of wanting more or... They weren't sure like oh is this just it like like where is this whole rebrand coming from and you know people did people did mention that you know <clears throat> excuse me um that there was more to the rebrand and that there were there was going to be a bunch of new things coming out that you know they thought that people would like very much and i definitely agree i think people really liked the new scoreboard at the top you know that was actually a big issue when uh the summer split came up from last year people had a ton of issues with the scoreboard and like how everything was the same size and like, you know, there wasn't this, there wasn't like, there wasn't a focus on the scoreboard and they now were showing like gold as the primary stat as opposed to kills. And it was just kind of, it was just all over the place and people really weren't sure how to take it. But I, like you said, I really like what they've done with the scoreboard. Now uh, the champion select, it's quite simplistic, but still kind of works with the whole now like purple and black dynamic. Um, even like the analyst desk and the graphics they have up there or their transitions. I think they're looking a lot better and I actually really like this whole kind of like purple and black theme they got going on. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It looks it looks really nice. Um, you want to talk about the new talent that they had on the desk? Let's let's get into that. Do yeah. Let um. Know who we got? Yeah, I remember they they released a video uh, a couple weeks ago before the broadcast started, just like a quick like a minute video on Twitter where they were just introducing and kind of like reviewing everyone that's going to be on the broadcast team. But you know, 
the people that I think have kind of stuck out for most people in the community after this first week uh, was Alorum, Emily Rand, Primal, and Hyde. Those were four people that were, you know, primarily like focused on the analyst desk and saw a lot of uh, screen time. And in terms of Alorum and Emily Rand, these were two people that people have been raving about after this past week. People are really liking their analysis. They're liking, you know, what they bring to the broadcast. You know, Alorum and Emily Rand are two very analytical people. And I think that's kind of like a good uh, counterbalance to some things that we've seen in the past with it being a little more troll uh, crumbs. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's not always yeah. the best analyst desk guy. Just draft more dashes. I don't think people want to hear that. I think people are really, you know, they're really responding to what Alorum and Emily Rand are doing. And yeah, it's been all good on my end in terms of, you know, these additions that they've made. I actually kind of sympathize with Crumbs because Crumbs does like there's so often where he has trouble getting his words out, but I can sympathize and empathize with that because that happens to me just doing a podcast, right? And our viewership is nowhere near what the LCS is. So like the nerves really have to get to you when you're in, in front of that many people. And so I do actually, I really feel for Crumbs when it comes to that, but uh, specifically with Alorum and Emily Rand, I thought those two were great. I thought they were really, really good. Um, when it comes to Primal, I'm not going to lie, I was too distracted with the war paint. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think, I, like, I know what he's going for. I think he's going for, like, you want to stand out. You don't want to be boring. You want to have a personality. So I, I totally get that. I just, I was a little distracted. If, if he does the war paint every week, I'm sure I'll get used to it and I'll actually be able to listen. <laughs> but I was way too distracted. I know that sounds so stupid, but it's true. I was just like, this guy's got, like, war paint on or something? Like, what? I didn't know. Uh, but for the most part, he was pretty good, though. And the, the, I do have to say for um, for High, I, I thought... Uh, here's my thing with High. I think if you're a longtime viewer of the LCS, you love having High on the desk. Because you know, like, this guy has done so much for the league. And, like, people who know where he comes from and know the impact that he's had on the league can appreciate his opinion so much more. If you are a new viewer to the LCS and you don't really know much about him, he's probably comes off as just a little bit bland, honestly. Like he's um he's he's a little bit quiet. He's not he doesn't have a lot of personality. Um, so even though he's very smart and he understands the game, I don't find him incredibly entertaining. What what do you think about that? Yeah, to be honest, I hadn't actually thought about it like that because, you know, you and me, we know and love high because we've been watching the right. LCS and Cloud Nine since around like season three season four when high was you know the primary guy on cloud nine he was the shot caller he was I, don't, I wouldn't call him the face of cloud nine but he was like he was up there and so i you know i hadn't really looked at it from the standpoint of being a new viewer and not really knowing who he is and like how your opinions like you, you you'd be forming your opinions about high based on what you're seeing from the desk which is you know not as much as some of the other people on the desk so i never actually looked at it from that point but you know, I thought he was all right. Um, there's like, I don't really have a ton like really great or really terrible to say. Um, he's a very smart person who knows the shit about the game, and um, he was he was good. Like, yeah, and I just want to point out, someone in the live chat said that he's a little bit harsh, and I, I actually do agree with that. He is a little bit harsh, but I think harsh is okay as long as you're being honest. You know, like I don't think you want anyone to go up there and be like non-confrontational at all. Like, I think it's good sometimes to have a little bit of as long as you're not like hard flaming someone i think i don't think he was that harsh you know what i'm saying um but yeah definitely i i definitely understand um what what you're talking about so thank you in the live chat for that um 
what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about the difference uh, between Emily Rand Bohr versus now, because I don't know about you, but I have watched some of her older content, and I'm I'm going to be honest, she was really boring. I was really, really happy to see how much better she's gotten because I didn't think she was bland or anything like that this time around. And so just like where she was to where she is now, I just think a huge improvement. And so that was the last thing that I wanted to say on that. Yeah, one thing I think um, that probably helps her is being on sort of an entire broadcast team with multiple people to sort of bounce ideas off of each other because yeah. I, I have seen some of her YouTube content as well. And whether it's just her by herself or maybe doing something with like Kelsey Moser, like got to be honest here, like them individual, like her and Kelsey Moser individually are two pretty boring people. So you kind of put that together with, you know, maybe her just doing some kind of analytical content by herself. She might not necessarily seem like a super outgoing or entertaining person, but I think, um, her like what she brings to the broadcast is so great and it kind of just all works together i think her and alorum actually really worked well together and it was good to see some sort of fresh faces on the on the broadcast yeah yeah very very good stuff anything else uh that we um, want to talk about before we get into the recap uh well i were we going to talk about how the broadcast uh, i guess I'll, I'll just say it yes uh, yeah, the lcs cool. broadcast and uh, travis had kind of thrown this idea out there uh towards the end of last season that the LCS broadcast might end up going exclusive on either Twitch or YouTube and sort of as a way for uh, LOL Esports to sort of, you know, how do you say it? Like sell their broadcast to one of the platforms? So, I don't know. but Yeah, well, they, they, they said that they fully expect it to be profitable by 2021. And I think a lot of people had in mind when, oh, that means they're probably going to get a big check for going exclusive with Twitch or YouTube. And it looks like they haven't really made that decision yet who knows maybe it's at the start of the lcs season like maybe for lock-in it's you know either one maybe maybe they're looking to go with youtube and maybe that's why the rebrand and they're trying to grow the new youtube channel that they keep plugging at the end of every broadcast i don't know it's mm -hmm. just uh some hypotheses to throw out there but it is a little bit strange because i think that when they said that they fully expect to be profitable in 2021, I expected that to be an exclusivity deal to be announced, but we haven't seen it yet. And uh, I don't know. I'm indifferent. I, I, I like it having on both, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm normally a YouTube guy just because of the fact that you can sort of pause and rewind. But one thing that I did think was a little bit weird was, you know, they did make this whole new LCS YouTube channel, but they actually switched the entire broadcast to going on to LCS. So remember... When I was trying to first watch the broadcast on, you know, the first match for Friday, I went on the LOL Esports YouTube channel. I was like, where's the broadcast? And I feel like they could have potentially done a better job in terms of letting people know that, like, that was the place to go. I know that they were kind of like rebroadcasting it on LOL Esports and kind of redirecting you to that new LCS YouTube page. But, you know, I don't know. I feel like they could have done a better job with, like, promoting the fact that the broadcast is on this channel now. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Let's get into the recap. All yeah. Right, who's on? Who's up? Who's uh, starting with? We'll go with EG first, our only undefeated team. Yeah, I, I think it's fitting to start with EG. Look, these guys just looked way better than everyone expected them to. Like, don't get me wrong. I expected them to look good. I didn't expect them to be 3-0. and I, And I don't think anybody expected them to beat Cloud9. Uh, Specifically, I guess we got to go with Jazuke and Impact are the ones that stood out. I mean, the whole team played well, let's be honest. But I thought Jazuke was so good. And Impact, I mentioned last week that I think we're going to see a new version of Impact this week or, or this year where we see him play more carries. 
we saw him play a uh, carry. <laughs> yeah. uh, sort of. He hit the Renekton we three times. Play, we, we saw him play three Renekton games, but I don't care if it's just Renekton. He looked good. And I think he also got player of the week, if I'm not mistaken. So really good to see he Impact did, yes. start to thrive on a new team. And a lot of people would say that he's going to a weaker team, myself included. And so I'm really happy to see him pop off in his first week of uh, on a new team. Anyway, Yeah, I, he just, just looked like the best team out of all the teams uh, playing. They're the only undefeated team. Yes, uh, they did have an easier schedule than maybe some of the other teams in Group A, for instance, because like 100 Thieves had to play Team Liquid. Um, uh, TSM also had to play 100 Thieves. So you could argue if any of those teams... Any of those teams went up against Golden Guardians or CLG in this first week that they could have either they could have easily been one of the three zero teams, uh, but you know, EG kind of shocking everybody defeated Cloud Nine on that first day of matches. You know, I, I think one thing that I really credit EG for that win particularly was their draft. I thought their draft was much better than Cloud 9's in terms of like being able to like look for plays and be able to play the game past the mid game. You know, I thought even when I saw this draft right away, like Cloud9 is a super like engage and short range kind of comp. Like you, you have to be able to get in close with your your Lilia, your Yone and your Lucian to be able to actually dish out any damage. And it kind of just found that like once the game sort of reached a stalemate at about 20, 25 minutes, like EG was just slowly able to take over the game because Perks wasn't able to get anything done in the side lane against Impact's Renekton. Um, he, I think he ended up dying like one or two times and then got his ult and flash burned pretty much on repeat anytime he would step into a sideline. And it really just caused a lot of issues for Cloud9 to not have any sideline pressures and then just getting simply outranged at almost every objective fight. Like, how the hell is Yone, Lilia, and Lucian supposed to walk up to a fed Renekton and a fed Syndra? It, it just seemed really hard for Cloud9 to play the game like post 25 minutes. And I think EG did it like it, it wasn't just that like EG's comp was better. So they won like they played their comp at, like just better. Like they, they were just the best team. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like they they played so well. All their lanes played well. I don't think I, I don't think any of their players like ever really had a bad game. And they just really looked on point. Well, and the thing is, specifically for that game against Cloud9, right? If you're Jazuke, you're coming up against the guy that everyone has hyped up so much. And now you're like. Perks is coming into the league being like, I'm going to smash everyone. And Jazuke, he has been very vocal about how he plays to win lane and how like he doesn't want to play afraid. And he played very aggressive for having the, the Syndra pick, like something like a, just a, a control mage. And he still managed to play just fine. And I would say even win the lane ultimately. Yeah. Um, he, he played so good, but it wasn't even just that game. Even his game against Immortals, he had that crazy outplay on the Zoe where he outplayed Insanity and, uh, uh, who was it? Jungle. Potluck. Mm -hmm. He had a, some really nice sidesteps with the double kill, and I think High on the analyst desk even said, he's like, if that's me, I take one kill and I dip. And no, he stuck in there and got picked up both kills and made a really nice play. And then he also... I mean, we've seen his rise in the past as well. He played really good on the rise in his last game. And uh, I will say that that was the shakier one of his performances because there were some random ints. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's funny because we literally got out of him exactly what you expect out of Jazuke. The absolute pop-off moments and then the run-it-down play. And then that's that's just what you get. But overall, such a good performance. And then I want to talk about Defly. Defly was great. You wouldn't even know that he was coming in to replace an old, uh, like a world champion AD carry. Like, 
honestly, we said he might be an upgrade over Bang. He was an upgrade over Bang. This guy had great performances in just about every game. Yeah. Yeah, their bot lane kind of seemed like... Their bot lane was kind of like the... Like, they're, I don't want to say least impactful, but, like, definitely an Igdar. Like, they just did their job. Like, yeah, they did, a, they did a really good job of kind of playing with and playing along with uh, the advantages that they were get, that the team was getting elsewhere around the map in all of their games. And they just they just played so well as a team. And that's what I kind of found that that was their main reason for winning against Cloud9 was just their ability to play together and play as a team. It kind of felt like in the Cloud9 match, like, we saw Fudge and Perks looking for a lot of, like, side lane pressures side lane waves not really like kind of grouping as a team and getting pressure towards objectives and we kind of just saw that once eg was really able to just like coordinate their objective setups properly with like just constantly like throwing out syndra spells or you know just having sven scaren kind of check bushes with w and they once they were just able to like control a side of the map like they would just wouldn't let cloud nine enter and they kind of just like squeezed the life out of them to win that game like it was a fairly long game but eg was just in control the entire time and they just they were setting up objectives properly. They were taking all the necessary steps. Sure, you know, people might say like, okay, better teams would have been able to close out this game faster or be able to put Cloud9 away, you know, quicker than, uh, what was it, like 44 minutes, I think the game was. But they did a good job. And I, huge props to EG for, one, their draft, uh, and two, their kind of just game knowledge and, like, setup. Yeah, honestly, if you win the game and you're in control the whole time, I don't think people are going to fault you for how long the game lasts. Uh, but with since we're talking so much about that one, let's just move on to Cloud Nine, right? Yeah. I don't have anything else to say about EG. They looked great, and I hope they. I hope to continue to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about Cloud Nine because people will. I mean, will and should say they should win all of their games, right? They should come in as either one or two, pretty much unanimously, everyone has said that they are going to be a top two team in this league. A lot of people, probably more people saying that they should be top one, but they didn't really look that way, did they? Yeah, they looked... What I will say is I feel like the EG game kind of left a, a sour taste in people's mouths in terms of actually like wanting to like outright say that Cloud9 right now is a good team and, they, and that they are going to be a top two team. Because if you don't look at the EG game, and you just solely right now look at the who did they play? They played Immortals and they played FlyQuest, correct? FlyQuest. Yeah. Yep. It, like if you just take a look at those two games, like yes, I think you could say that Cloud9 was looking like a top two team. Uh, Blabber was really you know pushing the boundaries with his champions, with the Kindred and with the Talia. He was doing a great job in the early game in terms of you know finding plays and setting up you know just plays in general. I think Fudge did a solid job in his first kind of you know, LCS games as well. Um, he had a pretty even lane against Impact in that game that he lost against EG. Obviously, Impact was playing the Renekton, so Renekton kind of just naturally got ahead into the early game. Um, yeah, you a, mean even as in, like, the, the matchup went the way it's supposed yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and his, his game against uh, Licorice, that was kind of a spicy, you know, top lane matchup that really just didn't end up doing anything. We had, like, Fiora versus... What was it? Fiora versus Camille? I think that's what it was. I'm pretty sure it was Maybe. Fiora versus Camille, and like Fudge kind of just sat up there, did his job in terms of like neutralizing Licorice and making sure that Fiora didn't get out of control. Um, and in their final game against Immortals, he was playing. What was he playing? Aatrox into Gragas. Is that what it was? That no, right. It was yep. Aatrox, it was Aatrox yep. into Jace. It was Aatrox into Jace. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I was confusing with the other game. Yeah. Um. 
But in terms of Fudge, I think he just did a solid job. There was nothing super bad that I saw from Fudge, nothing super great that I saw from Fudge. You know, I, I would like to see sort of how his role evolves over time and if he's going to kind of just turn into this, like, just neutral player who doesn't necessarily win his lane, like, super hard, doesn't lose his lane super hard. It's just kind of like that guy you kind of want in the top lane to just be a rock and do his job. I'm kind of interested to see how Cloud9 uses Fudge moving forward. See, but I would say that you don't. I I would say that Cloud Nine to be to play to that level, you need more than that. I don't think, like, if that's what he is, that's what he is, right? But I think if you're Cloud Nine, you're expecting a player to be able to to carry when the time is needed and not just be a guy in the top lane. I think that's what they had when they had Impact back a few years ago. Is they had a guy in the top lane and they were looking for more, and that's why they got rid of Impact for Licorice. And I think. If you're going to replace Licorice, you need to get someone that is going to win lane every now and then and be an actual threat. Um, I don't think one weekend is enough to write off Fudge and be like, oh, he's not going to have an impact. But definitely over the past weekend, I didn't feel like he was that much of a threat or anything like that. I still think he has more to show because, like you mentioned, there were like there was the matchup where like you're not going to win Orn into Renekton, and like like you're supposed to lose and. And like he gets pushed off of a full wave at one point, which would happen to any top laner. Like if you stay under tower, you die. So there's stuff like that that's like you can't fault him. But I do expect to see a little bit more out of him as the season goes on. Mm, um, definitely agree. When it when it comes to perks, I think he was kind of the same. Like that Zoe game, he didn't really do anything, and it, he should have been doing everything. Like if you're winning everywhere else on the map, there's no reason to take a bunch of huge risks or anything like that if you're going to win the game. But that's not what we expect to see out of perks, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with him playing slow when the rest of the team is winning. That's fine. But perks will do more. And I think he's convinced of that as well. And I think, like, you will eventually see some pop-off performances despite his first start being a little slow. Yeah, right? there, there was a quote from perks that ended up sort of on the front page of Reddit. And he was just kind of... He was just saying his mentality is that he's kind of dismissing all the haters or all the comments about his week one performance saying that, you know, he didn't really do much or like, you know, like he lost on Yone or, or whatever. And he's just focusing on himself because he knows that he's going to be great. And I, I think there's a good mentality to have. You can't really get caught up with any poor performances that you have or not that he really had poor performances outside of that Yone game, but he was just kind of not doing the normal perks. But, yeah, you know, no, to I, be honest, like you said, like, there wasn't too much to do. Like, in, in both of the games that Cloud9 was winning, it was primarily through Sven and Vulcan. Like, those guys were, they were playing super, super well the entire week. They had a they had a fairly even lane against Defly and Ignar in that first EG game. And, you know, Sven was kind of the one keeping Cloud9 in that game with all the damage that he was dealing on Lucian. He didn't necessarily have, like, the best KDA. I think his KDA was, like, 1, 3, and 4. But in team fights, Sven was dealing a ton of damage and, you know, in those two games that they won, pretty much we just saw the game start right off with a Zven Vulcan solo kill in bot lane. And it's really good to see that Zven Vulcan are, you know, if they can turn into these kind of dominant laners. Because what we are seeing, at least in terms of this first week of games, is we're seeing a lot of 2v2 kills in the bot lane. Yeah, we definitely are. And I think that is a product of the season just starting, right? And building synergy with your lane partner and all that stuff that comes with. So I think that's totally normal. But to your point, Zven and Vulcan those to me those were the only two players on cloud nine that i would say played to the level that we we were expecting to see this weekend 
Mm-hmm. And again, it's early, so it's not it's not time to hit the panic button or anything like that. You still walked away with two wins, but I thought they were definitely playing at a top tier level. I didn't think the other three players from Cloud9 were. I actually think that um, Blabber got away with quite a lot, actually. Um, I think he played well. I don't think he played great. Um, there were some issues with like just some lazy stuff, like uh, when he get when they're trying to siege. Uh, and he's just sitting on a ward without sweeping it, not moving. And then he just gets full comboed by Gragas against Immortals. Like, stuff like that to me is kind of lazy. Uh, and it's a little mistake because it didn't cost them the game or anything like that. And it wasn't going to cost them the game. But when you're playing against better teams than Immortals, it could cost you the game. And so I don't think Blabber played all that great. And I think what what we mentioned last week, the worries with Cloud9 were, is Blabber going to be kind of coin flippy? And is Fudge going to be able to perform? And I think both of those things are still issues going into week two of the lock-in. Yeah, one thing for me, um, especially when this isn't necessarily just a Cloud9 thing, but in terms of all the teams that we are seeing in this first week at the lock-in tournament, specifically ones that have had major roster shakeups and kind of looking at their these first couple of games that they're playing together, is I think Blabber has done a very good job in the early game in terms of you know, pathing and playing around his teammates and, you know, being able to find plays in the early game. Because I do think that some of the issues that he did have in the mid and late game in terms of being a little too overaggressive or getting caught in certain positions, they it, it's better for that to happen now and, you know, understand and recognize those problems and be able to fix it as a team. Because obviously we don't know what's going on there. Maybe it's a blabber like calling for a play that the rest of the team isn't wanting to go for or if it's just him like being stupid and overextending. It's good to sort of recognize those issues and be able to fix them in these sort of games right now that don't necessarily matter for the regular season, as opposed to, you know, these actually being in like regular season matches. So I think it will be something that, you know, Cloud9 will be able to sort of shore up and, you know, as well, all the rest of the other teams. Yeah, it's something what you just said there, I think applies to every team because it is just the initial lock in tournament. But anyways, do we want to move on to another team? Another group B team? We'll go to IMT. Immortals. Okay. Uh, Do you want to start or should I start? You can start. Um, We saw a lot of Gragas (laughs) out of Revenge in the top lane. I actually thought he played pretty well. There were... I shouldn't say played pretty well because there were some like obvious mistakes. Uh, I think they pointed out on the analyst desk, his TP bot lane made no sense. He had no mana. And I think this was another thing Hai said. Hai was like, if this is a solo queue game, you're not TPing down there. You have no mana. You're kind of just afraid to be the guy that left, hung your team out to dry. And so you just made a mistake. And I think he's right about that. Um, I don't think that that's something we're going to see a lot. I feel like that is initial nerves. Could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but I, I actually thought that he performed better than I thought he would because I mentioned last week that I thought he was just an average or maybe slightly below average academy player. But I didn't think he stood out that bad. Um, and so I thought it was a pretty good start, pretty good uh, de- debut considering you're on a weak team. Yeah, like it's pretty hard to judge uh, this Immortals roster, especially with what we've seen so far because we do know that you know three-fifths of their starting lineup is not going to be playing with the team for the foreseeable future. They have three uh, import play, or well, not import players, but three international players that will be joining the team. Um, we don't exactly know if it's going to be next week or a later date, but Zerse is going to be playing jungle, not potluck, and Raze and Destiny are going to be playing bot lane, not Keith and Joey. Is their support, right? I have that right? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. So for and me, honestly, that lane really struggled. Yeah, right? they did. Like for me, like I was actually, um, I was imp- I'm maybe not say impressed, but like like you said, um, from what we saw from Revenge, I think it was better than what we were expecting. So I think that's a good thing. Insanity, I thought he played not so great to like okay. Like he was okay at best in that range. <laughs> yeah, he he was not so great to okay, which is fine, I think. Because when we're looking at this new Immortals roster, the main focuses on this roster are Rays and Xersei. And I think, you know, until we sort of see those two players in this lineup, it's kind of hard to sort of comment a lot about this team because I feel like the things that this team has going for them aren't even playing right now. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that Xersei and Insanity will be a really good pair. And I think that... It's hard to say, like, oh, just waiting for Xersei, lol. But <laughs> I think Potluck struggled, man. Like, yeah. he did not look good. Especially everyone was flaming him, too. When he popped up after... Do you know what play I'm talking about? Remind the me. one where he, he flashed over Baron Pit. Oh, yes, uh, yes. And, yeah, and then he was by Red Buff. I can't... I, yeah, yeah. Our listeners that didn't see it are going to be confused because I can't explain it that well. Let's just say it was some NA pathing. <laughs> And it made no, he just gave it was pretty much he just gave himself up for a free kill. And that to me, that was a little disappointing because that to me isn't like, oh, an LCS player should make that play. It's not even that. It's like even a solo queue player should know not to path in that direction. And so I, I don't know what, what was going on with Potluck there. I don't think he's that bad of a player, but he did make that bad of a play and he didn't really have the, the greatest of impact on the game. So I didn't really think that he performed all that well, which yeah. is like. I don't know, that's the easy way out, but it's just true, you know? Yeah, I do hope um, that, you know, Ray's Destiny and Cersei will be able to sub back in next week. And there's not really, like, a clear-cut, you know, word on what players are going to be playing for teams next week, specifically the ones that were running substitutes. We do know that Santorin is going to be playing for TL, and I think Finn is playing for CLG. Um, oh, okay, I didn't I, know that. I, nice. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that second one. But we do know Santorin's playing next week. But I, I hope to see that we at least maybe see one game out of the new Immortals roster because it would feel a little bit bad just to see them get eliminated as the team to not make it through this group. And if, you know, there's just like a big question mark going into the regular season about this roster or this team. I yeah, mean. that's a good point. That's a really good point. You, I want to see more from the actual roster before the lock-in tournament's over. Cause yeah. They're going to, yeah. No, it's it's a really good point. But unfortunately, I'm not convinced that we're going to. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know what was funny, though, is they. I think before the game started, when was it? I don't know. At some point over the broadcast over the weekend, uh, they were asked, like, who's there going to be their sleeper pick or something like that? And Crumbs picked Joey for whatever reason. Oh, no. Now, okay, let me say this. A sleeper pick is someone that is not expected to do well. So Joey is not expected to do well. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of other picks that you could have picked that are better than Joey. Like, we've seen Joey play in the LCS. We've seen him play in Academy. It's nothing against him, but he just hasn't been that great of a player. And I was so surprised that that was Crumbs' pick as a sleeper pick. Like, there's got to be someone on this list of players. Let me look through the list. I could find a sleeper pick. Definitely. Definitely would have been a great sleeper pick. That's kind of hindsight, though, because we saw him actually, like, pop off. But there's a bunch of different sleeper picks, I'm sure, man. You could pick pretty much anybody on Golden Guardians to be a sleeper pick. Yeah. Uh, anyways. You could have even picked, like, Armeo, because, you know, people not ne- people weren't necessarily thinking that Teal was going to be, like, super, super great with, like, a sub-jungler. But, 
Yeah. A Blaze uh, Olive. Someone I, in the live chat saying a Blaze Olive. That's a great pick, like for sure. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was like, oh, crumbs. Like I rolled my eyes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying about Classic the desk. Crumb. We need more alarm and Emily Rand. No more crumbs, please. Do you have anything else to say about Immortals? Um, nah. All right, let's move on to Dignitas. Yeah, we got Dig up next. Little, the new logo. How you feeling? Still liking the new logo? I love the new logo. It's awesome. I mean, it's the new old logo, but yeah, yes. Well, the I updated logo. Yeah, I think it's great. Anyways, um, we saw a really, really good start to this tournament. Um, their game one was so good. Everyone seemed to be convinced that this team was like, like, oh, wait, are we underrating Dignitas? Like, is this team going to be great? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they fell off a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know what, though? That game where they, who were they playing against? Where they had the Galio support and they had Yone mid. Who are they playing against? Uh, Whatever the it, game was, it doesn't matter. It, it was, it this, it was matter. their second game against Immortals. The the game doesn't really matter. I think they had Camille in the top lane. I just would have they liked did, to yeah. see Galio in the mid lane. That, you want Galio in the mid lane for that comp because the Camille Galio combo is so good. But if you have the Galio all the way down in the support, like in the bot lane, like you're not going to be able to use that ulti just as effective as you would if he was the mid lane or in the mid lane. So I thought, like, I thought that they had such a good comp and they had a good wombo combo kind of comp, team, uh, team fight comp. But I just thought that you can't have as, as much of an impact with it earlier on in the game. And so by the time you're ready to use it, you're already behind. And so to me, it felt like a draft issue more than a performance issue, despite the fact that I do think Saligo kind of fell off and kind of ran it down that game a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure, you know, because th that game started with like a big fight in the bot lane, if I remember correctly, right? There was there was some big fight that happened early on in the bot lane where I think Keith got like two kills early into the game and then Revenge solo killed Fake God top lane. And then kind of like from there on out, like Revenge just kind of started smurfing on Fate God and his AP Gragas was dealing a, a ton of damage. It was definitely, I think, more impressive than his tank Gragas in the yeah. in the other game. Yeah. I also, uh, on a side, well, on a different note, I, I kind of thought Aphromu was a little bit underwhelming, uh, taking some engages on the Leona that I don't think we would have seen him take last year. Like he was going, like, don't get me wrong, Leona, you're supposed to go in, right? But you're supposed to have good timing of when to go in. And there was a lot of fights he's engaging where I'm just like, they don't win this fight. I don't know what he's doing. And it made me a little bit worried. I was like, no, man, I want to see the good Aphromoo again. I don't want to go back to, to the bad Aphromoo. But yeah, I thought I thought he had a, a subpar performance over the weekend. But I think he can step it back up again. Yeah, it, it was kind of a weird week for Dignitas because in the games that they won, they had players like Saligo and Fake God popping off. And then in the games they lost, it was kind of Sligo and Fake God, the ones getting shit on. So yeah. it, I feel like for the first week that we saw this Dignitas roster, it was as expected, I think. I yeah. think I think this yeah. team will be a kind of, you know, on average, it'll be like a bottom packish team with maybe the potential to be like a middle of the pack team if Saligo and Fake God are playing well. Because I feel like that's kind of what, what this roster hinges on. It's so fitting that like Fake God and Saligo would have a coin flip weekend when you're playing with a guy like Dardock, right? Like that's something like I thought that I'm like, wow, these guys are coin flipping. And then I look and see that Dardock is the jungler. And I'm like, Dardock is the coin flip jungler. This is perfect. We got a perfect match here. And I, overall, though, I thought Dardock actually played really, really well and had a, a really good weekend. Yeah, I think Dardock actually played, played pretty well. Um, I really like the Karthus pick. 
that he made. It was kind of awkward in terms of like how it fit in the rest of the draft, but I think he played it pretty well. Um, it kind of just happened like once the, the that Dignitas comp fell behind, it was kind of just like too far a, a hole to get out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, anything to say on Neo, aka Asta? He lo- he looked solid. I think he had like a. I think he solo killed uh, Johnson and Diamond a couple times in yeah. their first game. Yeah, uh, I I don't really have much more to say about uh, Dignitas. Do you want to? Speaking of of Johnson, do you want to get into FlyQuest? Yeah, we'll move on to. I I didn't really have the like, not I thought so Oscar, good team. I thought of... Neo, yeah, I thought Neo was okay, and I don't really have much more to say. I want to see a little bit more out of him before I kind of make up my mind of what I'm what I'm seeing. But you made me think of when you brought up Johnson. I thought Johnson actually had a really bad weekend. Yeah, and I think and Johnson I, and Diamond did not play very well at yes, all. Very underwhelming. And you and I hyped up Johnson a lot, and for good reason. He was great last year. He was he was a really good playmaker as an eighty carry, which uh, isn't something you could say a lot. Um, his mechanics and team fights are fantastic, and so. A um, little bit underwhelming to see him kind of run it down in lane also. Like when he's walking up to Vulcan, uh, like he's Defelios, he just walks into range of Alistair combo and dies in lane. And I'm like, that, 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 that was not a Johnson play. I don't know what the hell that was, <laughs> but it was, it was something else. And I, I think pretty much all of FlyQuest was kind of underwhelming. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. The main thing that, uh, again, like, I'll reiterate, like, this roster was playing with a substitute. They had uh, NXI in the jungle as opposed to Jose Diota, who's supposed to be their starting jungler. But one thing that I found, like, that, like, Johnson and Diamond were getting shit on bot lane. Yes, and they were kind of dying in 2v2 quite a lot. But the rest of the map really wasn't doing anything else either. Like, the rest of the map was kind of just, like, they, I feel like they needed to recognize that they were getting behind in bot lane and either make some plays to respond, like with counter gank spot lane maybe, or even ganking elsewhere on the map. But it kind of just felt like they were going farming simulator. And in their first game against Dignitas, where you, where you pick like Graves with Orianna and Orn, like I feel like there's not much that you can do in the early game in terms of making plays on the other side of the map when your bot lane is getting behind. And maybe that's just like a bad draft. But maybe that's also like FlyQuest not recognizing that they need to do something to get back into the game. Because when Dignitas has like Renekton, Leona, and Talia, like you're going to get dive, you're going to get Dovon and CC to death. Yeah, I think they, they played Rel in both games, right? Don, yeah, they worked out yeah, the Rel. I think the plan was to play the Rel with the uh, with the Orianna, right? And kind of get a combo there yeah. uh, with the LTs. But uh, they, it didn't seem like they were ever in a position to do that uh, because they pretty much lost all their lanes if i remember yeah they did or at least certainly didn't get any leads to be the ones deciding where and when fights are happening like they're usually just playing to to the the beat of the drum of the other team so it's like when when you don't get to choose the fights it's going to be a really big problem if you're the team trying to pull off a wombo yeah like i I don't know how like samira leona goes up against like rel kaisa like if they win that lane but they surely don't win uh renekton versus orn and it's not like oriana versus yon is a winning lane for oriana so once bot lane just fell behind it kind of just felt like there was not much that flyquest could do unless they like started forcing hella plays yeah and the other thing to say about flyquest guys is i need to remind people that for some reason they did this weird format where not all the teams played their games and some of them did. Like FlyQuest only played two games this weekend. Yeah. So like CLG maybe... played four. 
don't ask me why maybe i'm missing something totally obvious as to why that makes sense but if someone knows why please let us know because we don't get it right yeah uh, uh, day one you have nine of the ten teams play what is going on there this makes no sense yeah anyway all of this to say that we saw only two games out of fly quest so like obviously there's a lot less confidence in what we're saying with this team as to like when we talk about clg we saw we saw them play four games so like it's you know two games is not enough to judge a team uh but it's all we got so yeah uh, it's kind of a good thing i guess then if you're gonna look really terrible you might as well be the team that's only playing two games instead of three, like the like the majority of teams are four in the case of CLG. So small advantage there that they have a chance to potentially clean stuff up uh, yeah. and have the potential to go two and two. I don't think they'll beat Evil Geniuses, but I do think they they can beat Immortals. And in terms of tie-breaking, I don't know how that would all work because then most likely like Dig, Immortals, and FlyQuest will probably all be like one to three or two of them will at least be one and three so we'll kind of have to see how that all plays out yeah no i think they still have a chance of moving on it's just looking unlikely obviously when yeah. you start owing mm -hmm. but anyways that's it for group b correct we're gonna yep. go over to group a now don't ask me why we did group b first and not group uh, well, a I think we wanted to start with eg because they were the big surprise and eg just happened to be in group b right so let's start let's start with the uh, a now we'll go 100t first Let's go at 100T, Jamie. Let me know. Dude, these guys looked good. Not even just good, but like they were fun to watch, man. This is a team that we thought would come in with a lot of, you know, like, well, sort of like a lot to prove because they we knew that they were a good team last year by the end of summer, but they didn't really make it anywhere. They, they had a decent playoff run, but they didn't make it to Worlds. And people were so hungry to see more of this team. But this team came out and they were like so aggro is so fun to watch specifically against tl i remember saying it a few times like i wanted to see a best of three against tl that series that game was could have been a great series mm -hmm. yeah obviously they opened up uh as the first game first game of the day uh you know for the first game of the season against tsm and they just absolutely clobbered tsm you know yeah. we were expecting coming into this tournament that 100 thieves was going to be like one of the cleanest cleanest teams in terms of their execution and just like they're all around synergy, and I think we really saw that in the first game where they were running with the TF mid lane and the Talia jungle, and they were constantly making plays around the map. They went twice top lane uh, to sort of dive and bully Huni, and they put his NAR 0-3 really early on to the game. And then from there on out, we sort of saw them, you know, once they got Someday ahead, Someday was really able to run over Huni, and then they transitioned their entire focus into the bot lane when they took Rift Herald at around like nine minutes into the game. You know, made up, made another play top lane, and then reset went bot lane to you know use all the Rift Herald for the turret plates bot lane to solo give it to FBI, and then FBI was kind of just able to carry the game from here on out. I think 100 Thieves in that specific game against TSM, it was like a, pretty much a near perfect game in terms of like executing your comp and like making plays because that game was I think one of the cleanest games we've seen from like this tournament so far was that first game. Yeah, and, and I do want to point out that there were some hiccups over the weekend. Like, even though we're saying, like, this team looked really good, and they did, they still lost, and it was the CLG. Yeah. We'll get too soon. But CLG did not look good this weekend, but we'll get to them in a bit. Um, somehow they managed to lose that game to CLG, uh, greeting out for certain things and just kind of throwing the game. And then there was, like, the little hiccup bot lane against Team Liquid where they die level one um fighting like core J, like basically fbi walks up to, yeah. to um 
Tactical and Core JJ before the before they even get to lane, pretty much. And Core JJ is just like, okay, I'm gonna engage on you now. And he Zenith Blade on Leona, and he just they go and they kill FBI. And I think they get a, do they get a double kill? No, they just killed remember. they just killed FBI. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Anyways, it, other than like little hiccups like that, like we saw that bot lane bounce right back. And I don't even know. It wasn't even like maybe five, ten minutes later, FBI had three kills already. Like yeah. for how that game started, you really thought that like they were just going to get smashed in the bot lane, but they managed to find a way to get an advantage back and make some plays bot just because they stuck to their game plan and they said, look, no, we're playing with like Olaf. Like we're our comp is to go hard. And they did, and they they cleaned up some kills. And so I'm glad that they didn't let their their little mess up in the in the first couple of minutes of that game stop them from sticking to their game plan which is a sign you really want to see you don't want to see a team that's too afraid to mess up and ultimately not play to their game plan and so yeah just so much props to their bot lane that is what you want to see when you look at 100 thieves you need to see this bot lane performing the way they did last summer and i think we saw that over the weekend yeah i think just taking a look at the tsm and team liquid games like this was really the 100 Thieves that we were expecting to see, like maybe even like better than what we were expecting to see because of how just how hard they dominated both of those teams. And I, I don't think anyone can disagree that, you know, with 100 Thieves looking like that, like if they're going to be on that form, they are probably a top three team for sure, could even be in contention for top two with Cloud9 and Team Liquid. But to sort of flip now to that one game that they lost against CLG, um, it started out kind of like the same story. You know, 100 Thieves, they had another very good early game in terms of making plays in the early game and getting ahead, which they did a really good job at. But I think, you know, like you mentioned a little bit where they kind of faltered in the late game was getting a little bit over aggressive, getting a little bit greedy. And then it kind of just felt like their comp was getting a little bit outranged in the late game. It kind of felt like they were never actually quite able to reach Wild Turtle and uh, Poe Belter because of how far and how just how far the, their two champions and Jin and Victor are able to just play back. And it kind of like, you saw like when they're in these team fights, like Sunday and Huey are doing like everything that they possibly can to dive onto these two champions. Like they have to blow their dashes, like the set ultimate, both of their flashes to even reach their champions. And if they can just get away from them, it's really hard to be able to lock down and kill these two champions. It kind of just felt like, you know, once that game reached critical mass in terms of the two teams being on even footing, kind of just seemed like CLG's champions kind of carried them to the victory. Turtle was playing yeah. very great, just not to discredit Turtle at all. I think he had a really good game in that game because he did start the game like 0-3, if I remember correctly, because of how much pressure they were putting on bot lane. And he ended with a pretty nice KDA of 10-5 and 12. His first part of the game was Wild Turt Key, and then yeah. he became Wild Turtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, pretty pretty good performance out of 100 Thieves. I think 100 Thieves fans should be excited because... What we saw this weekend is what you're hoping to see uh, for the rest of the, the the split, rather. So, good start for them. Who is next? Um, I think it's Team Liquid we got next. Okay, TL, they uh, they also looked really good. I, they only dropped 100 Thieves, right? Yep. They won their two other games. Um, I'll let you start off with this one, because I need to collect my thoughts. Yeah, um, going into this week when we kind of found out the news that Santorin wasn't going to be playing for Team Liquid and they were actually going to be running with Armeo, formerly known as Grig, uh, people, I think, thought that this team was still going to be really, really good, which we did see in uh, their two games that they had, not against 100 Thieves. 
But specifically in that 100 Thieves game, uh, to flip it to sort of the TL standpoint, we kind of saw just like closer, just like really like hard, like outpathing uh, Armeo. It kind of just felt like whenever closer was going for and making a play, like uh, Armeo was like two steps behind. Whether in ter- whether or not that was him actually coming to the play and counter ganking, or being in a position to be able to punish the play that closer is making, and that's kind of how it felt like in that game. But in terms of the other two games that they played against, they played CLG and Golden Guardians. It was just like a straight like lane kingdom or like just like player gap. Like holy that moly, said, that's what it should be though. Oh right? yeah, like, like let's be honest, we do not have CLG or Golden Guardians ranked incredibly high in the rankings and if you're team liquid you should beat both of those teams no problem like man in those two games or was it specifically the golden guardians game core jj and tactical were just absolutely doggying the golden guardians bot lane they were like solo they solo killed the tower got all the platings at like eight and a half minutes into the game as like samira leona against uh I don't even know what the enemy team was playing, but like they're playing like two short range like champions and they're just out here pushing them off, bullying them off the wave at like eight and a half. Like you expect that to happen if the enemy team is playing like Caitlyn Morgana or like Caitlyn Karma, but they're playing Leona Samira and they're getting completely zoned off the wave. They're getting dookied and their tower's just gone at eight and a half minutes. Well, and I want to reiterate to your point, like this was not like they were getting a shit ton of ganks or anything like that. Like this was pretty much on their own. They're just hard winning lane, which to me is a really good sign if you're a Team Liquid fan, because I actually thought, not that I thought they were bad laners, Core JJ and Tactical, but I thought that that was the weakest part of their game. I thought that Core JJ's playmaking and roaming was a lot better than his laning. Not that, again, not that his laning is bad. And I thought that Tactical's team fighting was a lot better than his, than his laning. But they came out and were smashing in lane. And so, mind you, against some weaker teams, sure. But if that if that part of their game gets better, I think we might be looking at the best bot lane in the league, which is crazy to say if we got Sven and Vulcan playing so well and we got, uh, help me out here, FBI and Huhi playing so well. Mm-hmm. That, it's a little bit early to say, but definitely looking really good for, for the TL bot lane to start off. Yeah, what I would say in terms of, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here and call them the best bot lane in the league because I do think we need to see them, you know, have another game against FBI and Huhi or have a game against Sven Vulcan. But Absolutely. what they are doing is just really just like punishing these weaker bot lanes. And I think that is something that you need to be doing when you are playing up against these lower tier teams. Like we'll, we'll get to a little bit later. Actually, we won't even get to it. I won't even discuss it now because we'll talk about it later. But I was going to talk about TSM, but... We'll talk to them um, next. But I just wanted to flip to to topside with Alfari, and we sort yeah. of saw the same thing with Alfari that we saw in the bot lane in that game. Uh, what was he? He was playing. They played in their first game. They played against CLG, where he was playing Camille into Malphite, which CLG opted to pick Malphite into Camille. They kind of wanted to use it as like, you know, to be able to shut down Camille in the early game because Malphite kind of does so well against like AD bruiser attack speedish champions and alfari again he was just like hard gapping him in lane he was hard gapping niles in that golden guardians game he was up like 50 farm at like 15 minutes into the game or something or maybe like 40 farm but this is what we expected from alfari coming in here he's gonna play the carries he had, i think his other game was gangplank right but he plays the carries he wins the lane and he's gonna shit on you top lane and that's what happened What's interesting, though, is that I was talking with uh, just a friend of ours, he's Sketcher, but Steven. I was talking with Steven like, during the game and just asking him about 
the Camille Malphite lane because he plays a lot of Camille and he's like, honestly, he's like, if you just get to the lane first, the Camille can run that lane and actually win it. So he was actually surprised that they picked the Malphite into it. And I know about like, I know Malphite is supposed to be good into 80 champions, but specifically against Camille, I guess not actually. And so he was saying like, yeah, like this is how the lane is supposed to go. And the fact that Alfari won that lane, like that means he played it well, but that also means that he played it the way it's supposed to go. And so, um, yeah, I think a really good startup for Alfari. He came over to North America and he was supposed to win lanes, right? And, and that's what he did over the weekend. So really good start for that. And when you talk about all the imports that came over or all the new players that uh, started in the league uh, or started in 2021 LCS, I think his performance was one of the best. All the light was on perks, but I mean, Alfari definitely performed a lot better than perks, I would say. I mm -hmm. think most people would agree with that. Yep. And then Jensen was Jensen. I mean, I don't. He's good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's he's good. Go next. There wasn't honestly though. Jensen really didn't stand out all that much. And so maybe I guess if we're gonna give the criticism that uh, Perks needed to stand out a little bit more and hard carry if that's what he's supposed to do, I would say you could say the same thing for Jensen and that uh, we expect to see a little bit more out of him as the season goes on as well. Actually. Yep. No, I I agree. I think we should move on to the TSM next. Dude, is it just me or is like, dude, TSM is always so interesting to talk about, man. Yeah, they're just like, sterile. Sometimes like... for the better or sometimes for the worse. I like, I don't know. This week it's for the worse. They did not look good. They are like, they are lucky that they are two and one right now and have. Dude, they're going to be better. I'm telling you, I think they're going to be better, man. Like, I don't think Sword Art's that bad. I think PoE's great. I, I, I'm just saying, like, bad. I think I think Sorta's great. I don't know why I said that bad, but like, I, I think Sorta should be good. I'm pretty sure if you insert any other team other than Golden Guardians in that game, I'm pretty sure they lose the game. I I, I strongly like have CLG. that. I, no, I think CLG. Okay, maybe. Okay, oh, man, CLG sucks though. So hold on, maybe CLG. But I think any other team maybe. in that position that Golden Guardians had against TSM, they will win that game because we'll, we'll lead off with that game because. We kind of talked about it. Like TSM got absolutely demolished in that first game against 100 Thieves, where 100 Thieves did a really good job of punishing this NAR pick, which we were seeing a lot, and I think was kind of like the center of attention in terms of drafting and meta in terms of the first week, because you know NAR has been receiving a lot of buffs over the course of like the last year to half a year, and the LPL kind of debuted NAR at the start of the season, and we're seeing you know a lot of good results with it. And now we've started to see NAR in the LCK and the LCS and is not having as much, as much success because teams are really putting a heavy focus on topside when you lock in this NAR. We're seeing a ton of, of Renekton into NAR. You p sort of pick it with either a roaming mid laner or an early aggressive jungler like a Talia and you kind of just camp the fuck out of the lane and put the NAR like 0-2 and just zone them off waves. And 100 Thieves pretty much did that to TSM and that's how they won the game. Um, and then okay. in... Okay, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I was going to say the same thing pretty much happened in the second game where Golden Guardians, you know, they kind of just took that same recipe 100 Thieves did, uh, just inserted it into their game plan for that game and played it just as well. So when it comes, I need to talk about Hooney. When it comes to Hooney, now look, we just saw one bad weekend, right? So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But let's say we see more performances like this where he's kind of playing his own game. Like that's the that's the the idea that I get when I'm watching Hooney is he's playing 1v1 and there's just other P eight other players on the map, <laughs> but it doesn't matter to him. He's playing 1v1. 
Like that's that's how he plays, and that's that's the perception I get when I'm watching Hooney. Now, let's say that continues, and he continues to kind of run it down once he gets ganked or anything like that. How much longer are we going to pretend that he is still a top player in this league? Like, there's there's so many people that have come to the realization: look, he's no longer a top player in the league. He's got to reprove himself. And then there's some people that are still convinced he's just so mechanically gifted, which he is, but it's a team game. And, and like, I just wonder how much longer is this going to go on for where we're just completely blind? Like, honestly, it's very fitting because he is completely blind to the other eight players on the map. <laughs> it's like we're all completely blind to, I don't know, man. Do you get that feeling? Like, people still regard him as one of the best players in the league. He's just not. He hasn't yeah. been for a long time. And I'm not saying he can't be. But he definitely wasn't this weekend. He definitely hasn't been for, I don't know, what, two, three years, something? A long time, let's say. Ever since, like, his first season, ever since, I would say, like, the Echo Fox days back in season eight was, I think, the last time, like, he was a top player in his position. Spring season eight, right? Yeah, where they were, yeah. I think, the third place Hooney team. Dardock. Yeah, it was, like, Hooney, Dardock, Phoenix. Uh, that sounds right. Alltech and, was it, I don't know, somebody else. Did Smoothie go over to Echo Fox? No, no, that was in the summer. I don't want to that, that, get on too much of a tangent. That was in the anyway. summer split where they had lost, and that was like, okay, I don't remember. Yeah, who I don't want to get on was. too much of a tangent, but uh, uh, tangent. But needless to say, he is not a top player in the league until he starts playing like a top player in the league. I think he gets way too much credit, and I'm not trying to hate on Hooney because I think he's one of the best personalities that we have in the league. But I'm telling you, man, he's got to start to show more to be deserving of that kind of uh recognition and i think the question is going to start to be asked should um haunters start to be considered to be put in because i think a lot of, like it's early to ask that question but i don't think it's too early to ask that question because I'll, i just think that he's not playing all that well i'll say it right now haunter will be playing and starting for tsm sometime in the spring regular season and he will become a full-time starter i'll say it right there but so, I, I, hold on, I, I just want to address one thing just before we move on real quick. Yep. Um, yep. Just someone in the live chat was asking about Clutch's world's run when Hooney was on Clutch. Um, I thought that Hooney was all right when he was playing for Clutch, but in terms of like pegging him as like a top player in his role, I wouldn't do that. I would say that Clutch team like really heavily focused on um, their mid and bot lane in terms of making plays. I think DeMonte was like pretty much the whole key to that team in terms of playing the Kiana and playing the roaming champions. And then you kind of had Cody, Sun, and Vulcan. Vulcan, uh, yeah. and the bot lane kind of like doing it up and like that was when Vulcan was really getting his recognition for being a top player so in terms of like like we just mentioned I think we can both agree that the last time he was like a top player in his position uh, was season 8 with Echo Fox season 9 I would say he was alright but I would, I would I would credit Clutch's success more to DeMonte and their bot lane than it's Huni. not even that he's just bad it's not that it's that he's just not as good like I just think he's overrated yeah, that's no, no, that, yeah. We're, we're not. Previously, like, Hooney hasn't been hot garbage. Like, he, there's been times, maybe, but overall, he's been, like, all right. But, like, people do still talk about this guy like he is a top player in the league. And I, I'm trying to remember where I heard this somewhere. Maybe it was, like, Mark said it on Hotline League. But he was saying how, like, Hooney still has, like, really good results in scrims. And, you know, his stage performances haven't necessarily been as good. But apparently, he's, like, a god in scrims. So I don't remember oh, if I heard that from Mark on Hotline League. Yeah, God conversation, golden yeah. glue. <laughs> yeah, classic scrim. But still, like, 
at what point do you really like if someone is a scrim god like at what point do you really have to like understand like if they're not having success in matches that actually matter and like results that actually matter like where does that sort of balance out because if you do have a player that is like smurfing in scrims but can't do it on stage and you have a player who might be average in scrims but does very well on stage like at what point like do you need to value that player who might not necessarily be your best player in, player in practice but when it comes time to perform they play well and I think that's Hanser. Yeah. Well, uh, we, look, we talked a lot about Huni, uh, and there's still four other players to talk about on TSM, maybe even five if you count Coach Bjergsen. Um, <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit more about them. I was really disappointed with Spika's start um, in the first game when he invaded. That was a weird jungle pathing, that, that game, where Closer was about to three buff him. And I, I can't even explain the whole thing because it's just it gets too much into it, but... I really think that Spika just hard greeted, and I don't think we would have seen that out of him last split. Um, it's just one play, but I thought that Spika had way more impact on the whole map in summer and, and even at Worlds, and I didn't think he had much impact at all over the weekend, which is definitely a worrying sign if you're a TSM fan. Yeah, it was. He, he was playing Graves in that first game, and it was kind of weird like how that sort of early game happened. Uh, FlyQuest went for... They went for, did they invade blue at the start of the game or they invaded blue after they started bots? I don't remember, but it kind of seemed like, quest. sorry, I meant to say 100 Thieves, sorry. Okay. Um, uh, in that 100 Thieves game, it kind of felt like, and even when we were watching the game, one of our friends was saying that like, Closer must have thought that the map was split because he was, you know. That was me he, saying that. Okay, well, he stayed to clear Spika's entire yes. uh, blue side jungle as opposed to taking the blue buff and then immediately booking it over to his own blue side to three buff him and prevent him from getting any camp stolen it kind of just so happened that like both players kind of thought the map was split and then closer ends up like realizing oh okay uh this guy's in my jungle and they kind of just all converged on speaker and like you said he kind of greeted out a little bit after you know, he stole the enemy blue buff and then he also went for gromp and 100 thieves pretty much just like triple flashed on him with TF Gold Card, Talia, W, E, and then Renekton Stun, and he just died. And then, you know, someday got a huge advantage. I think he got, like, two kills in that early fight, and then they were just really able to dumpster Hooney. And, you know, like we just mentioned, they kind of transitioned that into bot lane. But, yeah, Spika, I don't think, had the best uh, impact in terms of early games. We also saw in their Golden Guardians game, uh, his Nidalee was, like, pretty much, like, useless in the early game. He didn't do much of anything, and I think, like, he had, like, I know it was a very low like kill game for TSM before they started to make their comeback, but it kind of just felt like Spika was just like sitting there farming on Nidalee, not doing too much. When we've seen his Nidalee in the past be very effective. Yeah, and to to your point about Spika not having that much of an impact early in the game, I would kind of apply that to pretty much everyone on the TSM roster, which makes me want to get to the point of like their drafting didn't seem all that great. I didn't. I don't know if I saw a draft where I felt like they can have a good impact in the early game and get fights on their terms in the in the areas that they want. And so then you got to beg the the, the question's got to be answered like, who is really deciding these drafts? Because we've heard and Bjergsen has said himself that if there are bad drafts, he will be the one responsible for the drafts. And so I kind of got to look at Bjergsen and say maybe this was a rough start to his coaching career, perhaps? Question mark. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I was just watching Doublelift's YouTube video that he put out today where it was like a highlights of him watching the the TSM versus 100 Thieves game because Doublelift has been doing some co-streaming. 
But he was basically saying that, like, that draft in that game was really, really bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, in terms of TSM picking three losing lanes, like, yeah. Doublelift did focus a lot about talking about the bot lane dynamic and how to, like, Zaya and Leona, uh, like, Zaya itself as a champion doesn't really do too much, especially when you pair it with two other laners that don't win their lanes. And he kind of just, like, he, like, said, like, in pro play, like, that's kind of, like, the number one sin is drafting three losing lanes. And I think that was sort of, like, that first game was a byproduct of TSM's draft. Yeah. And you just saw all the lanes kind of fall behind and, and nothing really happened that went their way. And Yeah, anyways, it's a worrying sign. But, again, I, I look at this roster. I still think they're going to be good, man. I think this is a good team. Even with Huni, like, I, I still think Huni can play better than he did this past weekend. I still think this is a top-half team. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see because I don't think that they were put in a position to succeed over the weekend. So more games are needed for me to get an accurate picture of what we're going to get yeah. out of uh, Speak Up POE, Lost, and Sword Art specifically. Yeah, I, I do think like kind of with all iterations of TSM, like this will be a team that sort of ramps up towards like the end of regular seasons and going into playoffs. I even mentioned before when we were talking about the initial Bjergsen move to head coach, I do think this will take time for him to sort of iron out everything that he wants to do and how everything works and how their drafting goes and how, you know, how he implements the play style of the team and everything. But I do agree with you. I think this team will be good. It's just a matter of when, because if, if we do get put in a situation where things don't start to improve for TSM, uh, I do think we will see roster changes. Um, if, you know, they don't, if they themselves don't see improvements kind of going, so moving into the spring split. The one last thing that I want to say, because it, it pertains mostly to TSM, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in last week's episode or not, but I was going to tweet out a couple of weeks ago, actually, even before Christmas, I was going to tweet out that, like, I was going to predict that at some point this year, Solo, Cody, Sun, and Hanser would all be playing an LCS game. It's just, like, these are not the circumstances under which I thought it would happen. Like, Solo's playing because, um, because of the visa issues that Finn's having, and then I didn't think that Hanser would, I didn't think Huni would necessarily perform poorly, but I thought maybe another team might trade for Hanser and maybe another team might trade for Cody Sun. Like, I didn't necessarily think that they would all be starting on the current rosters that they're on. But at this pace, it's, it's looking kind of like maybe that could be the case with the exception of Cody Sun, um, because I don't think we've seen anything like horrid out of, uh, out of Lost yet. I think he's played fine for, for what positions he's been put in. But, anyways. Yeah uh what's next golden guardians golden guardians yeah we talked about them a little bit just specifically in their tsm game but you know people were expecting this team to kind of be dead last because of the roster moves that they made with getting rid of the majority of their well they got rid of the their entire uh summer split roster you know a roster that people thought were going to be sticking together and playing but for Golden Guardians, but, you know, they end up going to 100 Thieves and they end up getting rid of Hanser. And they bring in a lot of new LCS players for LCS rookies, not necessarily uh, rookies. Um, and then one sort of veteran player with Stixay. But I think this team performed much better than expectations in their first week. I actually, me personally, I saw a lot from this team that I think is very good moving forward, specifically in their TSM game and even in their Team Liquid game where, like, even though they got destroyed in that Team Liquid game, I think there were still like good signs uh, from that team. So uh, I don't know what, what you got for this team. It, it looked like a team. So here's what I'll say. it. When I talked about them last week, I said I don't think they look like an LCS-level team. 
to me, they look like a lower tier LCS team. So I think that their start is probably one of the best they could have asked for. However, I still do think that they're a little bit outclassed. I thought Niles looked a little bit weak in lane. Um, he did have the one performance. Was it the GP game that he played? I, I can't remember specifically. But there was one game. I actually thought he played pretty well. Um, but for the most part, there, there seems to be some inexperience. And obviously the late game, right? We talk about the game that they threw against TSM. I would mm -hmm. say that their early game is where they're looking good. But I would say their late game, and that's the thing to me, is late game comes with experience. And that's where I think that they're looking like they're struggling the most is in the late game which is going to be a problem. So what I'm afraid to see out of this team as the, as the year goes on is I'm afraid of seeing early leads that are thrown. And I, I'm, I'm nervous that this team is going to become the next Dignitas because <laughs> usually the throws happen at the Baron Pit. And yes, that's what we saw this weekend. And you can't just copy and paste and apply that to the rest of the season. But it is what I'm worried for. Um, still, with that said, uh, I thought Olive looked really good. I, I, I was really happy with uh, his performance with his LCS debut. Um, and I think Iconic, out of the two, uh, out of him and, and Niles, I think Iconic looked a little bit better. I thought that he had, if an early game is going to go well, you need a jungler that's going to be, like the jungler is going to be the one that's affecting that the most. And I thought that he was usually in the right place at the right time. And so I think it was a really good start to, to his uh, LCS career. Yeah, I thought Iconic played really well, um, specifically his early games. Um, just to sort of mention... You know their failures. Uh, yes, um, they didn't do a great job cl closing out that TSM game specifically around Baron and around major objectives. But I do think that's something that you know is to be a bit expected with uh, a new team and specifically uh, a team with a lot of rookies on it. I, I think in terms of like you know judging this team right now based on our expectations, I I think everyone thought that. This team was going to be bad in lane and this team was going to be bad in the late game because they're rookies. But what we're seeing now is like, okay, this team is actually, they were all right in lane and, you know, their jungler is actually, you know, pretty good. But obviously their late game is faltering because I, I do think that is because, you know, they are all rookies. Um, yeah. And to be specific about the laning phase from what I saw, it wasn't so much that they were winning lane, but it's that they weren't losing lane and they were getting to the objective being Herald or Dragon on their times. And that's where they were getting their fight. It wasn't so much that they were winning lane, but it's that they were holding their own and being the first to the objective. And having control over Herald or having control over Dragon means that you're going to be the one that has the best chance of coming out on top in those fights. And that's something that I thought they did really well. And that's why I want to give credit to Iconic, because the jungler is usually the one that gets control of that area first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ablaze Olive working with Iconic, I, I thought was really good. I think Ablaze Olive had... In my opinion, um, it was like just as good as Iconic in a lot of those games. You know, Niles sort of felt a bit hit or miss to me in those games in terms of like his performances in the in the game against Huni. He did a very good job early on in the lane in terms of setting up waves for dives against Huni. Um, but you know, I mean, like in that game against Team Liquid, he got absolutely dumpstered by Alfari, and his other GP game against CLG was pretty good. But I think a Blaze Olive did a really good job in terms of like holding up against the other mid laners. Like when you're thinking of like a Blaze Olive who's never really played an LCS game before, two of the, the first two games or the first two players that he has to go up against are Power of Evil and Jensen. And he pretty much went even in the majority. He went even in both of those lanes. And in that TSM game, did a really good job of working with Iconic in the early game, getting, I think they got two early dragons and they got both Rift Heralds. If I'm not mistaken, I think they got both Rift Heralds. And maybe they went one-on-one -on, -one on Dragons. But I think they got both Rift Heralds and went one-on-one -on, -one on Dragons. 
And I think Ablaze Olive and Iconic working together was actually a lot better than what I expected coming in because what I, what I thought this team was really going to be terrible at was their mid-jungle because I didn't think, you know, these players were going to be able to sort of match up to the level of mid-jungle that we have in the rest of the league. You got to think of like Jensen, Santorin, Perks, Blabber, Closer, Demonte. Like on paper, like you look at those two players and you don't think at all like they have a they don't have a chance in hell of doing anything but i think they actually you know they showed some promise in this first week and that's what i want to see out of these bottom teams especially is if you're going to be if you're a bad team or if you don't have the best players if you can show some good stuff and show the potential i think like that's all you can really ask for from the bottom teams yeah and i really like the point you make about going up against these like top tier mid laners um because i said last week that was my biggest fear for this guy like what happens when you go up against jensen and power of evil what I kind of forgot, though, and I, I do think is true, is that I don't think Jensen really smashes lane anymore. Like, Jensen has, plays pretty passive in lane, and he has for the last couple of years. And so to go even or even beat Jensen a little bit in lane, I think is actually kind of normal because it's usually later on in team fights that Jensen starts to shine, in, in my opinion. he's never He hasn't been like that smash lane win game kind of guy for, for quite a little while, even though I think he used to. Yeah, but... While I do think that's true, Jensen is not aggressive in lane as he has been previously. Like there are cases, like even when top teams play bottom teams, you will just get like straight up lane kingdom because the enemy player is just better than you. And I don't think that yeah. was the case. He he was really able to like hold his own. Like even if Jensen is playing like a passive champion or not necessarily a champion that's going to win lane, if he's the better player, like he's just naturally going to win lane. And yeah. it's not like he did that. So. I basically just see it as a blaze olive went even against Jensen and power of evil. And that's something to sort of that that's like a, a plus as because we no, thought definitely... we thought coming into it, that that was going to be a problem for this team was just getting completely exposed from mid jungle. When I think after these first three games that we saw from them, their mid jungle is actually their strongest part of their team. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that's worth highlighting and something else worth highlighting is um, I actually want to give props to the coaching staff or whoever is running draft. Because we mentioned how like they had good early games, I think that part of their early games was that they had comps that are good at team fighting early for those early objectives. And basically, it looked like they were playing the game the way they wanted to play it. And I think that a big part of that starts with draft. And so huge shout out to the Golden Guardians coaching staff for that. Now, we good to move on to CLG. Yeah, now's where the show gets depressing. Uh, dude, like we're so like, <laughs> uh, we just... <laughs> We said we were going to be different this year. They're right? so bad. They're <laughs> so bad. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, they beat 100 Thieves. They got, okay, hold on. Let's just preface this. They had two subs in. And you, you could also argue that, like, they have, like, the worst, one of the worst junglers, like, in playing for them in their games. Because yeah, like dude, you you you, you do you do got to remember like when this team does get their roster together they're gonna get Finn back and they're gonna get Broxa back and I think those are you know Finn and Solo Finn's a bit of an upgrade but Broxa over uh, Griffin now formerly Wiggly is a massive upgrade so judge CLG here with like we gotta we just just before we rail CLG for the next like five minutes we will say that yes they're playing with subs and we do know that but you may start now. Okay, so yes, Wiggly is in, and, and now I guess he's called Griffin now, so if we're saying Wiggly or Griffin, we're talking about the same person. This team, I tweeted out something about how CLG just does nothing for, for 20 minutes, and it's what we saw them do all last year. 
why are we still seeing this man? I know Wiggly's not supposed to be playing or Griffin's not supposed to be playing, but why are we seeing this again, man? Okay, against TSM, level one, they invade. So that's great. They're, they're trying to be proactive. They go to invade red buff and even it even goes well. They get in there, they smite the red buff, they hit level two on Griffin and Hooney on the Nar roamed down. Or was it Nar? He's no, playing it was on Orn. Orn. It was on Orn roams down and doesn't get there in time and the buff is gone by the time Huni gets even not even close to it so basically Huni's out of lane and falls behind in lane immediately solo gets like a 40 cs lead by 15 and he's got an xp lead he's level six the orn is level five he's playing renekton by the way this is time to dive this is when you go i'm gonna freaking kill that guy who's not level six it's an orn mind you it's not the easiest dive but it is diveable nonetheless and Wiggly does nothing. He instead of diving top, he roams bot side while TSM is doing the dragon and gives it to them. <laughs> Your Renekton is level six and has TP. What are you playing Renekton for if you have an early lead and you're not gonna team fight? I'm sorry, I'm I'm so tilted, man. Oh my god, I gotta relax. <laughs> the reason why I'm so fired up about this is because as I mentioned last week, this year I'm going to do my best to cheer for CLG. So I am actively cheering for them to win this game and they're just ah they're doing nothing and it's tilting the hell out of me and it's like oh my god we're seeing this again uh i'll, I'll let you talk now i think i gotta relax yeah i don't know in that uh what's the game we're, oh, you we're talking about the tsm game yeah and the tsm game yeah it, it just felt like i don't know I'm, I'm just pulling up the draft here just so i can remember what champions uh the two teams were playing because from what i remember like TSM just kind of had like they had a super scaling draft in terms of their top and mid lane with Orn and Azir. And again, like like we just mentioned, they pretty much just did nothing. Like they just allowed their champions to scale. They even had Jin as well, who's like a great scaling champion. But it kind of just felt like they don't really know, like it just seems that they don't really know what to do. Like you just mentioned, like your Renekton is sitting top lane with a 40 CS lead with an XP lead. And you're not punishing it. You're not, like, forcing the Orn off of waves. You're not even attempting to, like, make any plays around the map. You're not really controlling major objectives. Like, you're just not doing anything. It just feels like they're going through the motions and just, like, farming camps and even hitting if waves. You go for these plays, let's say you go for these plays and you mess up. You throw the game. Fine. At least you're going for a play. I don't know how you can just do nothing and run that strat back over. It's not even a strat. It's you're just doing nothing. Like you have to try to win. You have to try to win the game. <laughs> you can't just wait for the other team to throw and give you advantages. You need to take risks. You need to make something happen. And when you have that kind of lead and you're not doing anything with it, is it's even tilting to watch. And I think it's thank no offense to, to Griffin or Wiggly, but thank God uh that he is not starting this year because I, I'm sorry, it's just I don't know what happened to him. Here's the other thing. When we're flaming someone like this, right? Obviously, somewhere these players see this stuff. It's not just us that flame CLG. There's a lot of people that flame CLG. And so maybe they get this fear of trying to, you know, a fear of messing up because the flame is coming in from absolutely everywhere. So maybe that's something that I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, to figure out what's holding them back from doing something. I actually don't think that they're mechanically bad. In fact, there were some great plays that Wiggly made mechanically. Um, but again, I think you need to be a lot more proactive, and they're just not. So I'll, I'll stop harping on that. 
Um, do you want to talk about the bot lane? Yeah, Wild Turtle's making plays in that game. It was a bit Wild like... Wild Turkey! Let's dude, go! that play where he, like... I don't know, they, like, just... They were attempting a dive bot, but, like, CLG backed off the wave, and they chunked out Sword Art, and then he, like, Kaisa ulted in, and the guy lived with 1 HP. Like, man, that, that, that right there just kind of summed up, like, the CLG weekend was that play where Turtle, like, Kaisa ulted into, like, a 1 HP Maokai. He was, like, one auto from dead. He didn't kill with that auto. Oh, yeah. Then he went forward again, and, like, Maokai, he, like, healed off something or something, and he, like, lived with one HP, and Turtle died for I it. it was Turtle just, messed like, up his cleanse, right? He messed yeah, up he, cleanse. Oh, he, yeah, he cleansed the Maokai ult before it actually hit him. That's what it was. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. Hey, you know what? He's going to try... He's trying to make a play. Hey, that's the Wild Turtle special All right there. For. Yeah, maybe it's exactly what they need. Okay, where I'm more worried with CLG, though, because Griffin won't be starting uh, for the long term, and Finn will eventually come into the top lane as well to replace Solo, what I am worried about is Smoothie. I actually didn't think Smoothie looked very good either, and he's supposed to be one of their starters. Um, I thought that his Alistair was subpar, and I don't know. It seems like he's not really having an effect on the game either. And if you're going to pick someone, something like Alistair, you need to have a lot more of an impact on the game and be ready to hit the go button. And I don't think he, he was ready to do that. And so uh, the biggest worry for me from the CLG lineup is Smoothie because not only did I think he didn't look good, but he's also going to be starting the rest of the year. And so I don't know who your backup is. I don't know who their academy support is. I have but no clue. I think Smoothie needs to either start playing better or you need to find another option because I don't, at this point in time, I think we've we're far past the good days of smoothie. Let's just say yeah. that. Uh, one thing to note is since CLG was the only team to play four games, again for whatever reason, we don't know why they did that. Don't ask us why. Um, they are the only team that's been eliminated so far from the tournament. So like they are officially they're going to finish last in Group A, meaning that they're not going to top four teams from the group advance to continue on to play the best of stage. Uh, CLG is going to be one of the two teams that's not making it out and one other thing that i do want to note is although they are playing with substitutes the the current news on broxa is is that he is still sort of sitting in limbo in terms of his visa because he he made a twitter video saying that he's supposed to get his visa sometime in february he kind of like, he left it very like open-ended and like can't really give an exact date because he himself doesn't know but like something to note is like regular season matches i think start on february the 5th and if Broxa's not going to be there by sometime in February, let alone February 5th, like, we're going to see this team, I think, really struggle out the gate. I'm really afraid that we're going to see a repeat of what happened last year with TL, like, where they have a really rough spring because they didn't get all their players together and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that I'm not blaming CLG for that. That is very much COVID-related, I think. And, honestly, even without COVID, like, visa things take long anyways. So I don't even blame, even without COVID, I wouldn't necessarily blame them because I do believe that's something that's out of their hands. But uh, hopefully we see the starting CLG roster ASAP and hopefully they get some practice and we could really see what the starting five are supposed to do on this lineup. Because I think, I do still think that CLG can be a better team than what we saw this weekend. Yeah, I guess this kind of transitions into our next sort of topic here. Just talking about, you know, how all these visa issues are you know, affecting the LCS teams in terms of one, not being able to get your full roster together before the tournament starts. <clears throat> and then that sort of leads to, you know, not as good practice because you're going to be playing with academy players who aren't going to be 
playing the entirety of the season anyway. And, you know, it kind of like leads down that whole road again of like the double if comments that happened or, you know, spring split doesn't matter. And he wasn't very motivated because he's not going to be, he's not playing with his full roster. And it kind of just seems that these recurring visa issues that we're seeing with a lot of these teams really harm their chances for spring split in terms of, you know, being able to make it to playoffs because, you know, they're most likely going to start out of the season with a poor record. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's not, exclusive to last year and this year that that's the thing. Like, i mentioned just now how i thought like that's not necessarily just a covid thing like covid makes it worse of course um but that's something we could see year over year because visas are so long like and that maybe that's something that we have a problem with year over year because now that spring split does matter it's going to really affect the standings right and so maybe it's a good thing that eight teams make playoffs at the end of summer because of the, it, it allows teams to get off to a slow start, but still be able to compete by the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, it's an issue that I think, I don't think this is done after this year. I don't think it's going to be, you know, Oh, we're good to go. Um, I think it's going to be a recurring issue year over year. And soon, I don't know what, but the LCS is going to have to do something to make sure that that changes and that teams can get their players ASAP and hit the ground running with the lock-in tournament yeah i mean i think one thing you really got to sort of actually i think question is um is this a team thing or is this a, like a sort of a league thing because we do see you know a lot of the teams who do have import players they are able to get their players in on time and practiced and integrated into the rosters right away we see that with perks with cloud nine um even alfari got here although it was a little bit late and he didn't have a lot of scrim time Alfari was able to get here in time. I'm trying to think of any other. Excuse me, I guess new Fudge. import. Yeah, Fudge is here. Oh, uh, well, I guess he was kind of already here last year, though. So you can maybe renew. I don't know how that process works, honestly. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But you know, you really got to wonder, like, if if this is potentially even like a team issue. You know, teams aren't really like taking priority in terms of these things and how this kind of affects it going forward because especially for the bottom tier teams who are looking for these import players to really like, I wouldn't say carry their teams, but really like put an emphasis like, and they're the, like the main person to play around with their team. It, it really can like derail an entire season. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 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 like you mentioned before, you, we saw that uh, with the spring split last year with Broxa, like TL finished ninth place. They had a seven and 11 record that kind of like that one problem sort of caused the whole double lift debacle sent him tsm you know tsm then wins the split goes to worlds like you really got to wonder like if that had not happened like what would the lcs even like look like right now like could double lift yeah. still be playing on team liquid like we really don't know i i wonder the same thing a lot i i think about that but anyways um i don't have too much more to say on that Is, was there anything else that you wanted to add to that no that's it uh one thing yeah, that's what I was going to say. One thing that I think would be just good to look at real quick is we wanted to go back uh, to revisit our topic from last episode was our tier lists, the tier lists that we made for, you know, the strength of the teams we thought going in uh, to the season. So I'll pull these up again uh, just to remind everybody, uh, especially for the audio only people. Uh, we had Cloud9 and Team Liquid up in the S tier. Uh, myself, I had 100 Thieves in the A tier. Blue Jay had TSM 100 Thieves and EG on the A tier. Um, myself, I had TSM EG in the B tier. Blue Jay had CLG FlyQuest in the B tier. In my C tier, I had CLG FlyQuest. Blue Jay had Dig Immortals. And in the D tier, I had Dig Immortals. 
and Golden Guardians, and Blue Jay only had Golden Guardians. So what do you think of your tier list, Blue Jay? What would you change from yours? Uh, I think the obvious one is that the Golden Guardians aren't by far the worst team, and so you would I would probably bump them up to a C, or maybe Dignitas and Immortals would be bumped down. I don't know. I guess I wouldn't bump down Dig because I thought they played pretty well in some parts. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think Golden Guardians is in their own tier of bad, if you will. Um, so that's something I would change. Maybe I would bump them up. Obviously, with CLG, I would have to bump them down as well from the B tier to the C tier. Although I, I'm still not convinced that their actual starting roster would be C tier. I still want to see how this team would look when they do have Finn and Broxa. But because we're still probably a little bit away from that, I would bump CLG down to the C. And then FlyQuest, I would also bump down to the C as well. I think that they definitely look underwhelming. But mind you, only two games. Um, everything else, I think I would say pretty consistent. I guess for what we saw this past weekend, I don't think I would have any teams in the S tier. I would probably bump TL and Cloud9 both down to the A tier as far as uh, performance, honestly. Yeah, I think for me, um, my obvious swaps would be I'd bump EG up one more into the A. But, you know, it's kind of hard because it's hard to group teams into, like, just a simple letter because I think there's a lot more to it. But for me, like, I think what I would actually do is, like, I would just have a mass clump of FlyQuest, CLG, Immortals, Dig, and Golden Guardians into like one, whether that be C or whether that be D. Because I think all five of those teams, like, they weren't yeah. like in all, like there wasn't like, I mean, the only one you could argue is that CLG was the worst, but I think CLG did suffer the most from their roster in terms of what our expectations of them were. So like I would kind of have like a clump of them, like FlyQuest, CLG, Immortals, Dig, and Golden Guardians, like, they would all be on the same level. And I think I would probably keep TSM where they are and just bump EG up into A. But I do want to remind all of our listeners and viewers that like the 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 tier list that we made was based off how we think they're gonna do for the whole year. And so like we didn't see the real CLG yet or, or yeah. the real insert team name here, because there's lots of teams that we didn't see their full version yet. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that's just a little thing to to say, I guess. Yep. But yeah. Uh, oh, also, I'd probably bump TSM down after, you know. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I put them in B as well. I think the, yeah. they performed a little under my... Like, their record... Like like I said, I think they were lucky to be 2-1 and one because I think they should have lost that Golden Guardians game to a different team. But, uh, you know, I can't knock them too hard because they're 2-1. and one. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to move on to Pop-Off and Bean Soups uh, in a second. But actually, before we do that, I actually wanted to... Um, this is kind of off script, so I apologize, JNT. I, I kind of forgot to mention this, but I wanted to know your thoughts on whether you think there should be any changes. I tweeted out earlier something about uh, the different nationalities now that we have in the LCS. So if people go to that, they'll see that. Uh, maybe you can pull it up on stream, JNT. But um, there is so many different players in the LCS now that come from a billion different countries, and I look at it and I see like this is a North American product, but like. It's got a bunch of global pieces. And so the idea originally, I think, of the import rules were to have were to be that it still felt like an NA product. And I would argue that even with half of the players not being from the North American region, I would still argue that we have a North American product anyways. And so what I was going to ask you, JNT, was what do you think about changing the import rules, either having more than two imports, maybe a third, or maybe imports not bec becoming a resident after three years instead of four. Do you think that would be bad for the LCS or no? Um, 
I personally, I think, I don't know if I would change anything. I don't think I would make the rules more lenient. I think making it from four to three years is like the, would be like the furthest I would go. Cause I do think that the rules are actually pretty good now. Um, Cause I, I do think that if you are an international player and you are coming into a North American team, like you should have to, you know, play in the league for quite a long time to really be considered an NA like resident. Obviously we're kind of seeing um, a lot of players now become North American imports uh, and especially you like I'm, I'm mentioning like the players like Impact who came over in season six, the players like Sven Scarin, the players like Hooney, um, uh, even Power of Evil now. Have the, Power of Evil is an import now, right? Or is or is he still? I think this is his fourth year, so okay. he's got one well, more year of not being. But to, like that's that's a good example though, because to me, like Power of Evil feels like an NA resident now, and maybe that's just because I'm a North American fan that it feels that way but he's been over here for three years already yeah would you say that he feels like an na player or no mm, and i think maybe maybe i would probably like saying it out loud now i'd probably leave it at four years because i still don't think so and maybe that's because he's really known for his time in europe specifically with that misfit squad true. before he came in but i don't know if that's like playing into my thoughts there but i don't think i would lift and make it to say like oh you can have three imports now i think if you hadn't done the whole opl uh is sort of combined with na now and opl players don't count for uh, a residence spot i would say sure maybe that could work and maybe the rule might be like you can have two imports plus one opl or something like that uh but i'm not exactly sure i think for me i'd probably leave them the way that they are right now because well i do think it's a good thing that we have a lot of nationalities in the lcs we yeah. still do not want to completely filter out all of the North American talent because, you know, to be honest, like people always meme it NA talent, but like there is some and there are some good ones. We've seen it with Blabber. We're seeing it with Tactical. We're seeing it with Spica. Uh, we saw it with Licorice. Uh, you know, there's a lot of young players in this league, some who are now, you know, kind of turning to veterans, but we still have some good rookies in this league. Johnson, we'll have to yeah. see if any of the rookies coming into this split, you know, really make a big impact on their teams, whether that be. I don't know someone like Diamond on FlyQuest if they can kind of get their shit together, or we were just talking about how we thought Revenge had a decent week. You know, there are still to be more to like happen with NA players, yeah. and I, I don't think that lifting any more import rules will kind of help our case there. Yeah, and the only reason I brought it up is because I think originally the reason for the import rules was that you wanted it to still feel like it was the an, a North American product. And I would say that even with half of the league being imports, so so to speak, um, it very much to me feels like a North American product. Like all the all the players speak English and whatnot, so there's no issue there. Uh, or the solid majority of them speak English, I should say. Maybe there's one or two that don't. But anyways, yeah, I just wanted your quick thoughts on that. But anyways, we can move on. Pop off and bean soup. Who you got? All right, we starting pop off. Yeah. I mentioned this guy at the start of the show, Jazuke, absolutely popping off this weekend. He's just freaking fun to watch, man. I love watching Jazuke. Uh, this guy is insane. He is, you know, going in. He's fighting everything he can. Sometimes he's running it down, and I don't care. He had a really good performance over the weekend, and it's because he's playing so aggro, going for those big plays. The biggest one that stood out to me was the outplay against Insanity and Potluck, and that to me was good enough for the pop-off award this week. Really good start to the season for him. Um, I got another EG player. I got Impact. Uh, I thought that he was pretty... I don't know if I would call him like 
the reason that EG won all their games. But it kind of just felt like Impact... Definitely one of them. Well, he was one of them, but I was maybe not the main one. But I do think that his play just throughout the entire week, especially in that Cloud9 game, where he really was just shutting down anyone who walked into a sideline and pretty much prevented Cloud9 from like really being able to get back into that game, I think was a huge part of that victory against C9. He did get... uh, is it still MasterCard Player of the Week? But he got Player of the Week. I don't know if that's the still the same sponsor still. But I think it he, is. He did. He did the good. Shout out Impact. Okay, you actually just made me think of something. You know how earlier I mentioned that CLG had a lead with Renekton in the top lane. EG showed exactly what you do yeah, with no. Renekton lead in the top lane. He would TP down and own fight. Like that's what you do when you have an advantage. Or even or even hundred thieves. You push the advantage in other lanes. So really good choice. Honestly, I think Impact is definitely someone that deserves a, a pop-off shout-out. Uh, Bean Soup. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. CLG and Griffin. <laughs> I think that if TSM is starting Dragon and you're there and your team is winning, you should probably contest that Dragon. <laughs> and if you're smashing top lane and the wave, you got a big wave clumped up, and you could dive. You should dive. So that's it. I'm done saying that. Yours? Uh, I had FlyQuest. Sorry to like... They were disappointing, man. You, they you, were you, you got the FlyQuest jersey, so I didn't want to yeah. do it to you like that. But They needed it this week. I needed to wear the FlyQuest jersey. They were just so bad. They need some support. Yeah. Feel. I don't know. It, like We talked about it a little bit. Johnson and Diamond didn't really have the best week. They were kind of getting solo killed a bunch. Uh, and then their top side of the map was just a little bit AFK. Like Not much was going on. Licorice had like pretty dog KDA the whole like week. I think he was yeah. like zero six zero over their two games, and like uh, NXI wasn't much better. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Still waiting on Jose Diodo. That's the sad but true story. So yep. What can you say? That team was disappointing. A lot of people said that they could finish top three. Uh uh-uh, uh, not after what we saw this past weekend. But <laughs> yeah. things can obviously change. So, uh, what else? What's next? We got our predictions for our for the games that are coming up this next week. Uh, one thing to, I guess, say is as uh, each team only plays every other team once in the group, we only have five more matches of group stage games before we move on to the best of series. So as those best of series aren't really decided yet, uh, the games we are going to pick uh, for right now, at least, are going to be those Friday games. And... Our predictions for the best of series when those do happen will probably be up on our Twitters and we will take that to account to into account our records. So as you can see now, just under our under our names, uh, but for the audio only people, uh, both myself and Blue Jay have a record of ten and five after the first fifteen games of the season. So we are gonna keep track throughout the entirety of the year. We are still looking to do something in terms of some sort of bet or like a forfeit that the loser might have to do at the end of the year. If you have an idea feel free to let us know on like Twitter, drop a comment, do whatever. Uh, we're still trying to think of something and we will let I you guys know. I don't want to shave my head. We're not doing that. I'd still want to do that. Uh, we have to think okay, let's get Anyways, this done. Get into the games. Okay, C9 versus Dignitas. I'll take Cloud9. Cloud9. Golden Guardians versus 100T. I will take 100T. 100 Thieves. EG versus FlyQuest. Give me EG. I thought about taking FlyQuest, but EG just looks too good right now. So, okay. evil geniuses. Uh, Team Liquid versus TSM. I'll take TL. TL. And then Immortals versus FlyQuest. I am feel like this Don't one's a bit of a coin flip. I'm going to take Don't, Immortals. 
Okay, good. I'll take FlyQuest. Okay, we got we got one different. I didn't want to take the same. Like, I don't think like K okay, good FlyQuest is gonna win. I just I didn't want to have the same pick there, and I wanted to take FlyQuest. I think they could bounce back, so that's good. At least we have some differences in our picks. All right, uh, we got a, a couple little quick news things just to round it up before we close out the episode here. Uh, first thing, I kind of already talked about it a little bit, but Doublelift, now that he's retired, uh, he's been doing some streaming on Twitch, uh, but he actually co-streamed all of the games from this past weekend. Uh, and like I said, um, he did post a highlight video of one of them, specifically talking about the 100 Thieves TSM game. And just from the video that I watched, it actually seemed pretty entertaining. So I don't know, I might tune into maybe a stream or two next week. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, the last of the four major regions is starting up their leagues. Uh, so the LEC, they start on Friday. I believe they start 12 p.m. EST. Um, Sounds right to me. Another thing to add in with the LEC is that uh, they released their uh, on-air talent and whoever's going to be playing for that, or whoever's going to be on the broadcast, sorry. Uh, and Kadrill, a former XL Esports player, uh, is going to be officially on the broadcast now. He did some work uh, in the world's playing stage, and I think he did a bit of work on and off in the LEC when their summer playoffs were on. Um, so he's officially part of the broadcast team now. I think it's a great addition. I really enjoyed his uh, casting and the plans. And uh, this was kind of found. Frost Curran actually tweeted out a couple weeks ago that she is no longer a part of the LEC broadcast. Yeah. And with the Cadrill thing, like he, so many people wanted him to continue because he was so good uh, during the LEC broadcast and during Worlds. This is a no-brainer to me. It seemed like he was really happy doing it, and so good for him. It seems like he's found something that he's really, really good at and that he enjoys doing. And so, even though you lose a good player in the LEC, I, I think you get an even better uh, personality on the broadcast. So I think the LEC is a little bit better with him as part of the broadcast. Mm -hmm. Next up, what's up? Uh, we got two people who kind of put out some twit longers, kind of giving us some updates. First up, we got Mike Young. Uh, he posted a twit longer, I think it was two days ago, uh, about like 48 hours ago, basically just outlining and updating, you know, his fans and the rest of the community, you know, what's going on with him. And kind of he was, you know, opening up a little bit about some of his struggles that he's had with you know, being a professional player in terms of like self-confidence or whatever. And I know we've kind of talked at lengths uh, previously about this is, you know, when myself and Blue Jay, when we're flaming anybody um, on our podcast or even just when we're watching the games, like what we don't want to see or, you know, what you constantly hear is, you know, people that are actually going out of their way to send hateful messages or like disrespectful things on their social medias or like trying to belittle them or berate them. And guys, Please don't do that to any like pro player if they're having a bad game, if they're having a bad season. Like we do want to try to like keep it positive. There there should be no reason why you'd want to actively go out and send a hateful message to another person. So stop that. Don't do that. Yeah, when when you're a pro player, you open yourself up to criticism. So that's part of it. Like when like there's no problem with like flame. Like it it is fun, but there is something wrong with DMing and shit like that. And Clearly, it gets to a lot of players, as it would me. I know it would me if I got a bunch of DMs all the time from people. Like, yeah, anyways, yeah. You, you mentioned it, so let's just move on. Uh, and then last up, uh, Krepo. Uh, he's been kind of silent for the last few years. He's done a couple stuff behind the scenes on some various uh, uh, former EU LCS teams, but he said he was going to be streaming again. So Krepo you know, was a person who was very involved in the league community, was a former pro player, did a lot of work on the analyst test, uh, obviously ran into some personal issues. Um, around season six, 
but after a bit of a hiatus, he's coming back. Crepo's back. Yeah, that's nice to see. I'm 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 in the Crepo. I'm in that bucket. Um, yeah, he did some goofy things, if you will. But I mean, hey, it, it looks like he's really trying to. I don't want to say turn his life around, but what I mean, kind of, you know what I'm saying? It looks like he wants to be a better person that he's trying to improve himself and get on with his life and continue to be part of the league scene. And I think that it's it's a plus to have him uh, as a streamer in the league scene. So that's good to hear. All right. I think that's going to do it for uh, our 26th episode of the CFP. Tell him what's up, Jamie. Uh, hey, normal shout outs, guys. We are on Twitter. We're going to try to continue to be active. So hit us up on Twitter. We, we will be tweeting out some stuff during the games. Uh, always be sure to uh, hit that subscribe button on YouTube or the subscribe button on any of the podcast platforms or hit up the Patreon. Like I mentioned at the start of the show, we now have a Patreon. The links are in all the descriptions, so hit those up if you want to support us, please. And uh, what else am I missing? Is that it? Um, I don't know. Honestly, that's it. Thanks <laughs> so much, guys, for showing up for episode 26 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you uh, at the next one. So take care and uh, goodbye. Bye-bye.